Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. It's August 1st, and that means each and every single week through the end of January, the United Soccer Coaches podcast from Team Snap is coming to you. A massive show. Rob Kehoe, Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches, will kick it off. Kale Wasserman, longtime assistant at Michigan State, now the top man at SIUE for their men's soccer team. He's up next. Kelsey Steele, senior manager, social media, United Soccer League's headquarters. She talks all things USL. And we begin to meet all 30 members of this year's United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 program. Today we meet Lou Liberatore and Jen Larry. And it's starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com. Once again, here's Dean Linky. I am Dean Linke, and as promised, we're kicking off with Rob Kehoe, Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches. And as I briefly mentioned in the open, the NCAA recently released their statement on the NCAA soccer study that was released June 13, 2019. Now, just as a refresher, in February 2015, the NCAA Sports Science Institute hosted the NCAA Soccer Summit. The purpose of the event was to develop a strategic agenda for the improvement of health and safety of not just NCAA soccer student-athletes, but soccer athletes of all ages. The summit also represented the NCAA's first attempt to address issues affecting the full breadth of the athlete development continuum within a single sport. Now, the timing is perfect. As you know, today begins our return to bringing you the United Soccer Coaches podcast each and every week through the college season and right through the end of January, including the College Cup and our annual convention. So with that, we start with Rob Kehoe, the Director of College Programs, to talk about what came out of this study and then also the notion that preseason starts in just a few days for men's and women's college soccer. So here we go, Rob. You lead us off. Thanks for being with us. You're very welcome, Dean, and always exciting to be at this time of the season. Uh, Next week, we'll start posting preseason rankings and shortly thereafter the uh, gun sounds and the competition will start. As you mentioned, probably the biggest news relating to college soccer uh, over the past number of months has been the release of the NCAA Sports Science Soccer Study and it was reviewed by the Committee on Competitive Safeguards and Medical Aspects of Sports And the conclusions uh, were similar to what had been uh, understood from previous research relating to soccer from other sources. Uh, As you mentioned, the 2015 NCAA Soccer Sports Science Summit, which was the first of the single sport efforts uh, by the NCAA to look at a sport, uh, which was prompted actually by a visit that I had with 
Dr. Brian Hainline, chief medical officer of the NCAA, in 2014 when I presented him with the outline of the Division I men's soccer initiative uh, in which they were seeking a change in their season to have a two-semester championship season structure, which would make it a one-game-per-week, eliminate midweek games, decompress the season. And out of that conversation, um, Dr. Hainline said, you know, we don't have the data uh, to support uh, any recommendations on this model at this point. Uh, we need to do a study, and that's where he christened the idea of having a summit, which we did February of 2015. Out of that, as you mentioned, uh, the study was commissioned for looking at soccer, and over the 16, 17, and 18 seasons, the, the uh, review of the seasons was conducted, out of which uh, there were some conclusions. And the conclusions uh, primarily related to uh, injury reports and how there's a significantly higher incident of injury in the preseason for soccer, and this is all three divisions. Uh, secondly, if there are competitions between uh, with fewer than five days rest between competitions, uh, that increases the incident of injury. And then relating to both the incident of injury in the women's game is higher uh, than in the men's game in all of those categories that I mentioned. And another point that came out uh, relating uh, as far as the women reported higher levels of sleep dysfunction, anxiety, and disablement than the men's soccer players relating to this compression of the season. And as we're looking at all three divisions, um, this is something that is certainly going to have to be addressed uh, as we move forward into now the discussions on how do we implement these changes. I think the summary of the sports science report and this uh, coming from the review of the CSMAS or Competition Safeguards Medical Aspects of Sports Committee uh, was there need to be some changes to the soccer season. When you look at the soccer season, uh, there are three components, the preseason, the regular season, and the NCAA tournament. And so we'll have to look at all three of those areas to see what adjustments would need to be made and how that will impact the college game. What would be some of the possibilities be relating to the possible change in the seasons, Rob? Well, as I just mentioned, there are three components to the season, preseason training, regular season, and then the tournament. So one of the things that's being looked at for all sports is proper preseason acclimatization, that there's enough time uh, to prepare to get from a transition uh, into your competition season, which really becomes of a major concern for fall sports uh, because they're coming off of summer vacation. And this in contrast to other sports that play either in the winter or spring because winter or spring sports, they come back on campus and they have what might be considered a more natural preseason acclimatization because they're into their natural academic uh, and campus life rhythms. They're involved with their teams. 
ramping up to their preseason training before their competition where soccer and volleyball, field hockey, uh, principally, there are other fall sports too, golf, tennis, etc. But those sports where, again, coming off of summer where it's not nearly the same as the other sports. And so to make sure that there is proper preparation before competition, because right now, for instance, Division One teams, they're, they're starting this week on the women's side, and perhaps within four or five days they're going to be playing uh, exhibition games. And this is certainly one of the reasons why the incident of injury is significantly higher in preseason right now uh, because of the consideration of not having proper acclimatization before you go into intense competition. So if that were to, to uh, change, you know, possibly some additional days, which would mean either you have to come in earlier, which adds cost to schools, or you start where you presently do, and then you start moving your regular season open competition date to a later start date. Then if we look at the NCAA tournament, where right now you have rounds of the tournament where you don't have uh, any more than 36 hours rest between games, or at Division Three, they're playing Friday and Saturday, if there were a dictate is that you need to spread out the uh, the NCAA tournament games, that's going to add length to the tournament. Now you compress the regular season even more, which is how do you do that? Uh, right now, the uh, divisions one and three play twenty have twenty allowable games. Division two has eighteen. How do you put those into twelve weeks? Well. The only way you could possibly do that if you're making the preseason longer and then lengthening the tournament is lose competitions. And we certainly know that from the coaching perspective or student-athlete perspective, no one wants to reduce the number of competitions, so what are the options? Uh, which is one of the reasons why the Division One men have been angling toward a two-semester model where they could decompress the season, uh, play pretty much one game a week during the regular season, and stretch the season out over two semesters rather than condense it into one. So tell us a little bit about the Division One men's proposal. As we all know, it's been on the table for a number of years. What's happening with it now? Well, as you stated, it's been on the table for a number of years. Really, in 2013, uh, in with very intense focus and concentration, the Division One men's coaches began to uh, discuss how they could develop a model to decompress the season and make it a better soccer experience for the student-athlete. And uh, just now, 2019, uh, we've had the commitment by the Big Ten and the ACC to co-sponsor a proposal concept that is now in the NCAA legislative cycle. Uh, also, this is with support from the PAC-12. And so now it goes into the legislative cycle for comment review by all of the member institutions and conferences, uh, and this will be voted on uh, next April. So looking at the possibility of 
starting a two-semester championship model where the NCAA tournament would be played in May and then have the College Cup in June as opposed to what we have in November and December now, uh, would be looking for a 2022 start of the two-semester championship model where there would be basically one game per week uh, in the fall up until the weekend prior to Thanksgiving and then start competition again in mid-March and then conclude the regular season beginning of May or late April, beginning of May, conference tournaments, and then the NCAA tournament uh, through May, similar to what you have in softball and baseball now, uh, tennis, track, and field, and then play with a college cup in June. So now it will uh, be discussed by all the member institutions and conferences uh, with voting uh, coming up uh, in April. So that's a big stride to get uh, this into the legislative cycle. So, Rob, how will this affect the other divisions? Well, each of the other divisions, uh, starting with Division One Women, uh, and I just had a call with uh, the conference representatives and the national chair, uh, Karen Hoppe from Auburn, yesterday, and looking at the, uh, the Sports Science Review, uh, they've looking at this saying, okay, well, we may, may need to make adjustments to our season. Uh, they've had a proposal that has been on the table since 2016 to try to expand the fall season, but now looking at if the preseason needs to expand and you need to possibly lengthen the NCAA tournament, they'll have to kind of look at that proposal and refresh it and see how are we going to uh, come up with a model that uh, is going to satisfy the needs of the student-athletes and the Division One women's college game. Uh, in early August, we'll begin the conversations uh, again. I should say renew the conversations with Division Two and Division Three, uh, looking at the same things uh, with a view of what models can we look at now with consideration for uh, the sports science report and uh, what changes may be on the horizon. I had calls last week with the chair of the Competition Safeguards Medical Aspects of Sports Committee as well as the uh, associate director or director of championships at the NCAA to talk about uh, these questions because we have to have voices from all of these different entities, the championships and the medical people, as well as member institutions and conferences to figure out how do we uh, make sufficient changes uh, for the sport, first and foremost, uh, for the health and safety of the student-athletes, secondly, for a meaningful uh, soccer-playing experience. So a lot will be on the table in the next a uh, number of weeks and months and over the next couple of years. Great information as always, Rob. Now, what about the new season? Will the new FIFA playing rules be adopted? A uh, good question, and that's a question that uh, many are asking. And the answer to that is no. Uh, the, the new FIFA rules that were adopted in March um, and were first on display in, in the Women's World Cup uh, will not be adopted for the 2019 NCAA college soccer season. And the reason for that is is that there's not been enough time in terms of assessment of the application and perception of how those rules have been affecting uh, the game. 
Uh, Major League Soccer didn't implement them this summer, so it will probably be looked at with a view of uh, a 2020 season and looking at the pieces that were put in for uh, 2019 and now for all of the international leagues going forward um, to see how that would be adopted for college. And the next uh, meeting for the NCAA Soccer Playing Rules Committee is, is next March, and so we'll look at the season. They'll, they'll do some surveys over the course of uh, the fall and into the early winter and then come out with some recommendations in the, uh, their March meeting. The one there will be one rule uh, change that's an NCAA rule, and this will be a hydration break, a mandatory hydration break, if the temperature reaches a certain uh, level uh, in college soccer. And at which point, middle of the first half, middle of the second half, they would have to take a mandatory up to two minute break. The clock would stop, and that would be for hydration and and. Uh, just to deal with the heat issues. but So that's the only thing that's on the table for uh, NCAA college soccer this year. It's way too early to get the Rob Keogh Learjet out to pick the games that we're going to, but uh, with Maryland and Florida State coming off national championships with men and women at the D1 level, respectively, any predictions for the 2019 college season, Rob? Yeah, I do. I do have a prediction, a couple of them, one on the women's side, one on the men's side. And the prediction that the men's college game is going to be really exciting. And the same thing on the uh, Division One and Divisions Two and Three and NAI Community College. All of the uh, areas are going to be really exciting. But looking at uh, the Division One men's, looking at their final rankings, is very interesting. And again, contrasting this to the Division One women, and we've had these conversations through the years, uh, is the difference kind of in the makeup of the landscape of their division. Where in Division One men last year, of the top 25 final rankings, 11 of those teams were non A5 autonomy five, what was called the Power Five conference teams. Uh, teams like St. Mary's, Akron, of course, from the MAC, uh, was runner up in the NCAA last year, Georgetown, Air Force, some of these teams that were in the top 25, Lipscomb, Charlotte. Where on the women's side, uh, there were only three out of the top uh, 25 that were non-autonomy five or power five conference uh, teams. And, you know, those are typically the Santa Clara, Georgetown, uh, Central Florida, some of those South Florida. Uh, where on the men's side, you have a much different look when it comes to the top 25. So my anticipation is that we'll see similar this year. Uh, we'll see the majority of the teams in the top 25 and vying for uh, the national championship out of the uh, the Power Five conferences. But like Akron was in the uh, the championship game, and I think has been in the uh, College Cup three of the last five years. Uh, we're on the women's side. Georgetown has been getting into that College Cup over the last couple of years. Santa Clara has been knocking on the door. Uh, but again, we have the uh, the consistent groups like Florida State, North Carolina, Stanford, UCLA that are 
uh, the ones typically vying for that uh, championship in the College Cup. So it'll be a very exciting season. Uh, you know, we'll open up in about three weeks with the uh, Division One women. Uh, the last weekend of, of August for the Division One men and following that with all of the other divisions. So very exciting uh, season on the horizon. Encourage all of our fans to uh, be looking forward to seeing the United Soccer Coaches preseason rankings that start coming out on August 6th. Always great to start with you as well. As remember, today begins our weekly edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. It's only fitting with a heavy focus on college soccer that we begin with Rob Kehoe, Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches. Rob, thanks so much for kicking off the show. Okay, Dean, and you for kicking off the season. Thank you very much. Looking forward to an exciting time and some visits during the year. One of the things that you love about this program is we also feature the 30 under 30s, and we talk about getting the right path to becoming a top-level coach. Kale Wasserman is now getting the opportunity to be a first-year head coach at SIUE. He'll actually play Michigan State, where he was an assistant coach for the last several years in their opening game. Kale Wasserman is up next. Being a coach means being a lot of things. Mentor, teacher, role model, motivator, leader, organizer. Of course, it's not easy to be all of those things. You need help. And who better to help you than an association of fellow coaches? Membership of the United Soccer Coaches includes access to over $500 worth of e-learning courses, an improved online resource library with more than 1,000 activities, session plans and articles, $1 million worth of liability insurance, and a whole lot more. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join and start your free 30-day introductory membership today. United Soccer Coaches, your association for all things coaching. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Staff. I want to thank Rob Kehoe, the Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches, getting us set. And now we're joined by Kale Wasserman, first-year head coach at SIUE. He was such a great assistant at Michigan State under Damon Rensing, one of our favorites here on this program. He'll actually take on Damon Rensing and Michigan State in his opening game in East Lansing. What a way to start the season. And Kale joins me now. Kale, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nothing like starting your head coaching Division One career against your old school, so that'll be fun heading up to East Lansing in late August. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So how did that all shake out? How did that happen? Was that already on the schedule, or is that something you made happen? Uh, yeah, that was actually on the schedule. So a couple of years ago, you know, the previous coach here, Mario Sanchez, who did a great job here at SIUE, um, him and Damon set that up. So we actually came down with the Spartans a couple years ago. So this is kind of the back end of a little home-and-home series. So it'll be fun to to get back to East Lansing and and see a lot of the the players that I recruited and worked with and obviously the staff and and a lot of the people in that community. But, you know, we'll be all all hands on deck focused on our SIUE Cougar program, and, and it'll be a fun trip. Well, when you were going through the interview process, did you see right away that that uh, Michigan State game was on the schedule? Yeah, I was privy to a little bit of the scheduling information through the interview process, so I kind of knew early on that that was a, a realistic possibility, and you, you almost just laugh at it. You know, Damon and I joked around. I mean, we both kind of said if we had to do it over again, would we even schedule this game kind of jokingly <laughs> just because obviously we have a 
a close relationship and and it's you know two historic programs going going at each other you know and both both programs are going to want to win both coaches are going to want to win but at the end of the day it's it's kind of what the game is all about is those those moments and I'm sure it'll be a fun trip no matter what. Well, Kel, here's why I wanted to have you on. Beginning uh, tomorrow, August 1, we go every week through the college season. We're almost every week we at least have one college coach on for men or women sometimes at all different levels and we also have a couple members of the 30 under 30 program. That's 30 coaches, 15 men, 15 women that are rising up the ladder at a young age with aspirations usually to be a head coach at some level. You obviously had those aspirations so with that in mind what would be your message to not just the 30 under 30 members but all young coaches that want to be a head coach someday at a top college or professional level I think for me the biggest thing is is to pay attention to the details you know there's so much that goes into college coaching you know we'd, we'd all love to sit back and worry about the X's and O's and, and player meetings and keeping that as the focus and obviously that is you know, a lot of the, the priority in the fall is, is you're kind of worried about the games and the training, but there's just so much more. I mean, it's building relationships, it's being out in the community, the recruiting. You know, obviously for me, we have a, a whole new staff, so it's managing a staff. There's just so many little details that go into it. Um, but at the end of the day, the soccer world is a small world, so not only paying attention to the details, but also kind of doing things the right way because – you know, everybody knows each other, no matter if it's an interview process or former players or, or anything else. There's just so many little things that go into it. And kind of what you tie your name to is, is kind of the, the way people see you and perceive you as a person and a coach. So I think it's important to do things the right way. But there's just so many little details. And, you know, I, I'd like to think I had it all figured out when I got hired here. But every day there's just something new. So, you know, being open to learning on the fly you know, not just kind of relying on your experience is, has been big for me as well. So there's a lot that goes into it. But again, if you pay attention to the details and, and treat people the right way, I think you're going to put yourself two steps ahead of, of a lot of people. So, you know, that would be my biggest advice early on. Well, if you meet Kale Wasserman, you know he treats people the right way. He's a delight to be around. His wife's a delight to be around. They've got a youngster now as well. So I'm sure going to be just a wonderful citizen as well. And one of the things it takes as well is it takes putting in the time. So remind everybody, Kale, every stop you've been to get to the point of being a head coach at a D1's college. Yeah, it's been a it's been a fun ride. This is this will be my fourth fourth uh, position in the college game. You know, I played at Saginaw Valley State, which is Division two university up in Michigan. Um, immediately after that, I went for a stint at Lewis University in kind of the, the southwest suburbs of Chicago. Um, you know, I was a young assistant, but I was fortunate to work with with a mentor of mine, Evan Feifels, who's taking his program to two final fours. I was involved in one of those in 2009. Um, so that was great to work for someone kind of who had been in the game a while, built a program, established a lot of uh, consistency. You know, I was a young guy coming from a, a, a program where I played that didn't have a lot of history. It was a younger program. So that was a great experience. And then I was fortunate enough at 26 years old to, to get a head coaching position in Division Two at my alma mater. Um, so from 2010 to 2015, um, was a head coach at Saginaw Valley State. We, we played in the GLIAC. We, we had a, a fun, a fun ride for five years. We went to a, a national championship game, a couple sweet 16s, a couple conference 
championships, um, but so many memories with those guys and those players. And I wasn't, you know, I, I coached there from 26 to 31, so I was still young enough to really relate to the guys, but, but I, you know, was very passionate about my program that, that I played for. And so it was, it was a really rewarding and meaningful experience, but also at the same time, four or five years ago, kind of wanted to spread my wings a little bit and got the opportunity to work for Damon Rensing at, at Michigan State. And obviously he's a coach. He's been to four quarterfinals in the, in the last, you know, seven, eight years. He's, he's helped build that program to what it is today. He was a player at Michigan State, an assistant, a head coach. So I was really excited to go work with him. And I know you know Ben Pierman, who's now with Memphis 901 FC. And we were up in East Lansing together for, for four years. And I was an assistant there competing in the Big Ten. And then um, after a run to the College Cup this past December, uh, the position here opened up at SIUE and, and kind of landed landed this job. And now I'm down here in, in Edwardsville and just enjoying life. So with the job in Edwardsville, was that the first time you'd interviewed for a D1 head coaching job, Kale? I had put my name in the hat for one or two in the past year. But to be honest, was being very selective about – how I was approaching any openings. I mean, I was in a very fortunate position at Michigan State where, you know, it was a good soccer culture. The guys were great. Damon was great to work for. He allowed me to to learn from him, but at the same time be a a huge contributor and and feel that I was putting my own stamp, you know, in the program there as well. So wasn't really in a rush to get out, so kind of picked and and was able to pick and choose ones that I looked for. And this was the first one I would say I really went all in for and felt – you know, I needed to to approach with with a serious mindset and and kind of. It's funny because before it even opened, I had had a conversation or two with Damon. Just kind of, I had been there for four years. I wasn't in a rush to get out, but just the reality is, as an assistant, you always kind of want to have a plan of of what jobs, what types of jobs you might approach. And Damon and I sat down about a year ago, and this was one of the jobs that I actually identified and said. You know, if a place like that ever opened up, that's where I would want to be. It's a program with a lot of history. You know, we're outside. We're in a smaller suburb outside of a big city of, of St. Louis, which is kind of how I grew up outside of uh, Detroit in Michigan, kind of in the, a small suburb outside of it. And to be honest, didn't really anticipate it opening up. And, and Mario, who was here before me, took a job with Louisville City, left the program in really good standing, um, you know, good kids, good culture. And so... I knew a little bit about the program because we had played uh, two two times in the last three years. Michigan State p- played SIUE, so was familiar with the current state of the program, but also a lot of the history. You know, as a as a college player, I was able to play against SIUE in a year that they went to the Final Four. Um, they've got two national championships in '72 and '79, so a huge alumni base and a very passionate group of alums. You know, all, all around the country, but more specifically in the Metro East and St. Louis area. So I was I was really excited and, and went for it and was fortunate enough to, to land the position and kind of had to hit the ground running because there's not much time to stop and smell the roses in, in college soccer. You know, we had, we've had 10 kids commit since February 1st. Um, you know, we've got a whole new staff. We had a chance to work with the guys in the winter, which was great, in the spring season. Um, so, yeah, now we're here and, kind of 10 10 or so days off from preseason so time time flies 
Yeah, preseason around the corner. Then you got to figure out what to deal with Giuseppe Baroni. But what what are the expectations, the goals for just the first year, the first season, Coach? Yeah, I think I think everywhere you go, there's probably going to be different expectations and a different mindset. And for me, I've I've kind of told the guys that this this is not a rebuilding year. You know, this is a program that's got some good, experienced players. And granted, we'll have 11 new guys coming in, so. It'll be it'll be interesting and it'll be a process to get guys integrated and and all the communication down and style of plays meshing well together. But you know, I don't I don't really see this as a as a as a rebuilding year in a sense where we didn't graduate like ten seniors from last year or have a really bad year and it's like starting from scratch. Kind of just going to chip away and, and continue the process that that the guys that are in the program and the coaching staff before and the foundation that was laid and really just put my own stamp on it with kind of my energy, my my ideas, our staff is I'm really excited about our staff that we brought in Stephen Gordon from Oakland University and Ian Henry uh, from the University of Central Arkansas who both have really good ties to the area um, the expectation for us is to come in ready to train in preseason and, and compete every game to win to win those games, now it's going to be tough to win every game on the schedule as, as we've seen over the years no matter what program you are um, but for us, I think we've got a challenging, challenging home and away schedule. You know, we've got away games against Big Ten teams like Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Wisconsin, and, and obviously, I mean, the MAC is such a tough conference with Akron obviously kind of carrying the torch. But when you've got Western Michigan, West Virginia, NIU, all these programs, Bowling Green, I mean, these are tough games. But I think we should be able to compete in every game, and if we do things the right way and take care of the details. You know, I, I do I do believe we can compete and, and have have a chance to win any game that we're in. So, you know, for us it's about taking care of those details, being consistent, having a good culture and you know, from from that point you just let the chips fall where they may on game day, but you've got to do all the work behind the scenes and we've got a good group of kids. I'm I'm excited to get the, the eleven new guys in, um, just to see how they integrate and how quickly we can kinda I mean it's a third of our team, so that'll That'll kind of take take some time and some work to get everybody on the same page, but I'm excited about the talent the guys are bringing in, and, and obviously a lot of the returners. I and mean, we have we have two first team all all conference attacking players that scored I think 19 goals between the two of them. So for me, if we're not scoring goals, you know that's going to be my fault. You know I got to put guys in position to to succeed, and and it should be a fun a fun process. I'm going to miss seeing you on the bench for Michigan State, uh, but perhaps I'll get lucky one of these games against a Big Ten team. Perhaps I could call SIUE versus one of the Big Ten teams on the Big Ten Network. That would be great. K.O. Wasserman, thanks uh, for all the access you've given me over the years that you were at Michigan State and wishing you and your family the best of luck uh, as the new top man at SIUE. Thanks, Dean, for having me. And obviously, you know, great job and keep up the good work covering college soccer. I think you you do an amazing job spreading the good word and and you're fun to talk to and and i've seen behind the scenes how much work you put in to call these games so love love hearing it and thanks again for having me if you meet kale wasserman it's impossible not to root for him we hope he gets it done with the cougars getting it done for usl the senior manager of social media kelsey Steele. she is so much fun kelsey Steele around the corner Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for 
this type of team management software. It's the best that I found. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I want to thank Rob Kehoe, Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches. Also great to hear from Kale Wasserman, first-year head coach at SIUE. He'll get things going against Michigan State, where he just left after being such a successful assistant coach. Always great to hear how coaches get their chance to become a head coach. Kale did a great job breaking that down. As we told you off the top, USL is rolling, USL champ. Championship, USL at every level. And I'll tell you what, social media-wise, Kelsey Steele, she gets it done. She's the senior manager for social media for the USL headquarters. She's everywhere. Everybody wants a piece of her. She's so much fun. And I'm proud to say that Kelsey Steele and I have been connected for quite some time because she went with then-named NSCAA over to Europe in 2014 with 11 other Ohio U kids. By the way, I'm an Ohio how you guy so we love that connection and now here goes kelsey Steele. she's got her podcast steal some time she's a whole lot of fun you can't hang out with kelsey Steele and be smiling the entire time and she joins me now kelsey thanks for being with us Dean, thanks for having me, and uh, go Cats. Obviously, I have to start it off by uh, giving a nod to you. Well, I appreciate that, and then also a nod to that time we spent that summer. So the World Cup, folks, was in Brazil, but Ian Barker had a handful of coaches that wanted to cover the World Cup over in Europe. So we went over to Holland, Germany, Belgium, France. We were embedded with some of the different top clubs. We were actually embedded with some of the top federations. It was a pretty amazing experience. Kelsey, and of course, I got to admit, I handpicked you. I made sure that you were part of it. I know you were grateful, and I think it was a great experience for you. Yeah, you really stuck your neck out for me, and um, to this day, I'm, I'm so appreciative of it because that, that trip really changed my life. And um, I think I was a sophomore in that trip going into my junior year. And um, when it came time for, uh, you know, after I graduated and, um, you know, had my, my first year out in, in the industry, an opportunity came along with USL and um, I, I reached back out to you and Ian Barker and I mean I really I do think that trip over to Europe and creating that connection with you guys is the reason that I got this job because it got me in the door here and you know now I've, I've been with USL for two years so you know not only did that trip change my life and was able to gain a lot of really um, you know life-changing experience but I mean it, it really catapulted my career here with with the USL so yeah that was that was a, an awesome trip and um, a, a lot of really talented uh, people to come out of that trip as well. I mean, we've got alums now just from that NCAA trip who, um, you know, work for TMZ and, you know, the United States Olympic Committee and Sports Illustrated. So um, a lot of really successful Ohio University alumni as part of that trip in 2014. Yeah, and then Mark Doner, who's probably one of the top 10 social influencers in the country too, <laughs> right? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so crazy to think, you know, we were just kids in 2014 and, um, you know, five years later, how much can change and, you know, we all kind of come back to that, the one spot at OU and in that one trip and, and look back at how much of a difference it made in our lives. It's it's crazy. Well, you're kind to give Ian Barker and me credit, but really it's all you. I mean, you're a talented young woman. You're doing a great job. You can check out her, you know, steal some time with Kelsey Steele podcast. It's great. They also put it up on YouTube. And sometimes 
sometimes they'll feature her during some of the halftime segments for USL games, and she's everywhere, folks. And a lot of big stories. Uh, she picked three or four out, right? Uh, but let's start with Phoenix Rising. They've won 11 in a row at the USL championship level. That's a new record. What makes them so great? Because not only the 11 records, they got some other big stories behind that team as well, right? Yeah, I think with Phoenix Rising, too, you have to look at them as a team that was going to be a frontrunner coming into the season, and they just didn't start off that way. And I think there were a lot of questions after that first month, month and a half of play, where it's like, is, is Phoenix going to get it, tech, get it together here? You know, or are they going to be a contender for that title? Because being a season, it just it wasn't looking that way. It wasn't really clicking. And I think, you know, and kudos to, to Phoenix's front office staff and, and the guys on the pitch. They were just like, chill out. We're, we got it together. We're going to figure it out. We're working out the kinks. <laughs> I'll tell you what they did. And now they've got 11 in a row, not a, not unbeaten 11 in a row, consecutive victories. I mean, that's that's a heck of a run and uh, to overtake FC Cincinnati's streak in 2018. And, you know, we all know how, you know, FC Cincinnati did win that regular season title uh, back in 2018. Phoenix Rising is well on their way to do so. And no, now they're the league leader in points as well. So for the first time, they've overtaken Tampa Bay for the league leader in points. So I think when you look at this Phoenix Rising staff and, and club and the guys on the pitch, it's I think it's hard to, to identify – one particular piece. I think what's interesting is, you know, they're without DA drug bug this year. And for a lot of people, I think they, they might have thought, oh, what's, what's it going to be like without having that leader and a guy that stature on the pitch? But in a way, I think it's almost better because, you know, there's guys emerging in different leadership roles and, uh, you know, taking on different roles, especially when they had guys out for the Gold Cup. It was, it was so many different times they've called upon different guys to step up, whether that's Kevon Lambert or Salman Asante or, you know, Adam John's been a force to be reckoned with. And I think that they, no matter what, what separates good teams from great teams is teams that find a way to get it done. And that's what Phoenix Rising is doing right now. I mean, they mean business. They fell short in that cup final last year. And I, I swear you talk to every single person in that front office and on that team, they remember that feeling. And that's the number one goal. They want that trophy. And it's very, very apparent right now what they're trying to do. And certainly why that's the number one storyline with Kelsey Steele. And then, you know, everybody's talking about Major League Soccer expansion and probably does not get give USL, particularly USL Championship, enough credit for all the expansion that's going on with this league and probably not, not enough credit for how USL has propped up teams to Major League Soccer. But let's talk a little bit of USL expansion, Kels. This year, I'd say the 2019 season has been the most pivotal in terms of expansion teams solely because they're the teams this year who have run with the expansion title, I, in my opinion, are just doing it different than we've seen clubs do it in the past. You have, uh, you know, guys uh, like, you know, Jay Heaps and Doug Hicks in, in Birmingham who just you just feel the passion. I mean, they are so focused on growing the game and, you know, really trying to push out these narratives in these cities that have deserved to have a team for so long. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, FIFA World Cup ratings. And um, when you look at these massive games that are happening worldwide, you've got cities like Birmingham that are in the top 10 when it comes to ratings and viewings. Like, Birmingham has had an itch for this for so long. And, you know, now they're getting the opportunity to do that. And, you know, for the first time this season, they put together three wins in a row. So they're finally kind of turning a needle there as well. But 
I actually had the opportunity to go out to Birmingham for their season opener this year, and it was just an incredible experience. I mean, this that city is so into what Birmingham is doing and Legion FC is trying to produce and uh, you can just feel it in the environment there and um, I'm really, really excited to see what, what Doug and Jay can put together in the next few years over in Birmingham. And then, of course, you have New Mexico and El Paso, which one on top of it is, is an amazing rivalry, especially to be in a, two expansion teams as well. I mean, I think that's really cool. They're actually uh, playing Wednesday night soccer on ESPN3 on Wednesday night. And um, I think with New Mexico especially, you have an owner like Peter Trevisani, who is probably one of the very first owners we've had in our league that is solely focused on building a team. And I think that's the difference when you look at teams and clubs that are going to be successful in the future, especially for expansion teams, is Peter has said it time and time again, this is his only job. And you can tell, you can see, you know, New Mexico was in a little bit of a rough patch these last two months or so. Finally got a big one this past weekend. But, I mean, they're, they're time and time again, they're averaging like twelve to 13,000 fans per game. I mean, people are turning up at just the, the most passionate fan base in this league, if you ask me. And I think it, it starts from the top down. And Peter has put together a really, uh, you know, competent and, and passionate staff, and I think that makes a really big difference when it comes to um, to, to to make an impact, honestly, in an expansion side. And I had the opportunity also to go out to New Mexico earlier this year, and it was so cool because every person I talked to was like, you know, we've we've been wanting something like this for so long. New Mexico needed this, and they are all about it. And um, you know, one of Peter's biggest thing is, you know, they went with the name United because they are such a diverse state. And they really wanted to unite the state. And you have a guy, an owner, like Peter Trevisani, not walking out in a suit for the game. He's in a T-shirt, Mexico United T-shirt, jeans, and he's running into the stands in the supporter section, and he spends the first few minutes in the supporter section with the fans. And I don't know, I think when you look at expansion teams this year, it's it's really interesting how different, I think, that they're moving this year. And, of course, with El Paso as well, they've put together a heck of a side on the pitch, but you've got a guy like Mark Lowry who is, is – genius and um, I think that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with when we're talking October, November as well. Did I tell you Kelsey Steele would make you smile? I'm smiling from ear to ear (laughs) and we're not even done. Landon Donovan, San Diego, they're coming in soon. Landon Donovan was just in your headquarters with a great shout out for your program as well. That's even more excitement for USL, Kelsey. Yeah, Landon Donovan is just such a a genuine guy and um, I had the opportunity to have him on on um, my podcast deal some time two weeks ago, and then he actually came into the front office on Tuesday before he ha- went over to the winter meetings in Orlando. And I tell you what, it was so cool. He actually sat down with the entire staff here at our front office, and we just kind of had a, a moderated discussion. And, you know, he's it, it was so cool to hear his perspective on the future of the game in this country and, you know, things like the access that we have now for soccer compared to five years ago and for him and, and Warren Smith to be putting together a club in San Diego and what that means to him and, and why championship is that fit as well. I think there's a lot of really special things about having landed in the league. Obviously, you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, U.S. men's you know, national team player of all time, but he's truly bought in to 
growing this game in this country, and that's what we need with guys at the ownership level and you know front office level who truly care about making a difference in in our country and um, you know especially in the championship. And he he told us time and time again he's so bought in to what we're trying to do here, and um, I think. Uh, Landon is going to be really great for the league and really great for San Diego, whether that's 2020 or 2021. Um, I think USL San Diego is going to do a really good job, like New Mexico, for instance. It's a diverse area. And I think they're going to do a really good job of bringing together a, a lot of different kinds of people for one cause, and that's you know uniting everyone for for soccer and for the game. Because like he said, either, there's a love for this game that he's never seen before in this country, and that I think is is so cool to me. You're hearing the passionate voice and energy of Kelsey Steele, senior manager of social media for USL headquarters, and finally going full circle since we started with Phoenix Rising. They're the top of the West, eleven in a row as you said no ties 11 wins of course Tampa Bay's been the class of the east on paper it looks like it could be a clash with Phoenix and Tampa at the end right I think you would be hard-pressed to find someone, at least in the front office right now, that doesn't think it's going to be Tampa Bay and Phoenix Rising as that final two there come November. That said, you have teams in this league who are just different in postseason. I mean, they flip a switch, and of course, you know, I I would do a disservice to Louisville if I, I didn't have them in that conversation, because they've had their, their struggles and adversity this season, but... I am not ever going to count them out of that playoff conversation because somehow they just find a way to get it done. And when you look at our postseason, it's you just have to win three games. That's all it is. So you know, it's it's a lot can happen within that two to three week stretch. And um, I I think that if I had to choose one now, I, I'd go with Phoenix Rising. But um, I, it's it's a long way. We still got two and a half months and, and or so and, until that time. But yeah, I mean, I think if I'm throwing it on the table right now, it's you're gonna have a very hard time telling me otherwise that it's gonna be Tampa Bay and, and Phoenix Rising as those final two. Well, don't forget, and you're too big time now to pay attention that I've been the 13-year voice of North Carolina FC. But <laughs> North Carolina FC took care of Tampa in Tampa. They play Martin Rennie in Indy 11 on mm-hmm. Saturday, and I think that game will tell a lot about two teams that could make some noise that don't get probably a ton of hype or ton of credit for putting together pretty good seasons. Martin Rennie's a great coach. Let me tell you, Dave Sarakin, the top man at North Carolina FC, he's a great coach, Kelsey Steele. Oh, oh, 100%. And what he's done with North Carolina FC this year has has been incredible. And um, I think Scott and I talked a few weeks ago on the podcast about how North Carolina has kind of risen as a dark horse a little bit in the East this year. There wasn't a ton of conversation about what they were going to produce on the field. There was so much surrounding Nashville and Indy for the squads that they had put together in the preseason. And, you know, you cannot count North Carolina out of that, that postseason conversation and honestly top three conversation. And I have North Carolina in as my game to watch on Saturday night because I think it, it's going to be very, very impactful for both of those sides, especially Indy coming off of that loss to Nashville this past week. If North Carolina can, can get three points at home against that side, that's that's monumental, I think, for, for that club and um, detrimental for Indy. Can you for just once, just one time for that game, not mute me out and actually just listen to the call just once? <laughs> can you do that for me, Kels? <laughs> Yes, of course, Dean. You know, I will take any opportunity to listen to your lovely voice. (laughs) Kelsey Steele, Senior Manager, Social Media, Headquarters, USL. Give everybody your Twitter and everybody one more plug for your podcast, please. 
Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is at Kelsey J. Seal, and uh, it's, it's K-E-L-S-I. I know it's weird. My parents wanted to be different. And uh, if, you, if you'd like to know more across the USL and the soccer industry and world as a whole, give Steel some time, a follow. It's on every podcast uh, platform you can find, so Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, you name it, you can find it there. So, yeah, Steal some time and at Kelsey J. Steel. And we didn't even get into the fact that uh, nobody can sleep on a bus better than Kelsey Steele. We won't even go I there, Kelsey. I can't believe we made it through this without <laughs> you bringing that up. Kelsey Steele, rock star. So glad to know you, Kelsey. You crushed this interview. Exciting times for USL indeed. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks so much, Dana. We'll talk soon. All right. Well, coming up, we're going to visit with two of our members of the 30 Under 30 for United Soccer Coaches. It's the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. And it's that time again. It's time to meet all 30 of United Soccer Coaches, 30 under 30 superstars, 15 men, 15 women under the age of 30, making a difference around the passion and love of the game. And kind of ironic, kind of fun that we start with Lou Liberatore because he actually won a state championship at Cardinal Gibbons. And of course, as we all know, if you listen to this show, it's all about me. My son went to Cardinal Gibbons, so we love that connection. And of course, he played for Coach Tim Healy as well, so we love that. He coached at Castle. Now he's getting it done as the director of goalkeeping for Tennessee Soccer Club. Lou, congratulations on being our first to meet here on the 30 Under 30 Club. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on, Dean. Uh, really happy to, to be on this morning. Yeah, I saw the 919 number, and I had actually met you because I was in Nashville not too long ago, but they, I didn't totally put the whole connection together. And then right off the bat, you told me Cardinal Gibbons High School, and, and here we go. So, Lou, first off, tell me uh, why you made the decision to apply for this 30 Under 30 program. The program interests me uh, initially when uh, I was working for Paul Marco at, at Binghamton University back in 2014. Uh, the uh, the other assistant on staff, Nick Ross, who was actually an inaugural program, and uh, you know, one day walked in, and he was on a, I think it was a Google Hangout, and uh, after he finished up, I asked him what he was doing, and kind of explained the program, and how I got to connect with uh, a bunch of other young coaches, all trying to to make a name for themselves in the game, and, and make a career out of it, and just the different people he met, and he was kind enough to introduce me to some of those people as well at the convention. So that kind of was the initial thing. And obviously when you work for someone like Paul Marco, who uh, is pretty big in what was the NSCA and now United Soccer Coach, is always a prodding to get onto the program. But that's what initially got me in trying to get onto it. We love name dropping on this show. Of course, Paul Marco has been a friend of United Soccer Coaches forever. In fact, uh, he often had the then-named NSCA College Game of the Week up at Binghamton where I would call those games, and so he's been a friend of the program forever. Even Nick Rosson, I think, ended up at Ohio State for a little bit as well, right? Assistant coach for a year Yeah, so he was at Ohio State uh, before he went came to Binghamton. He was there, I think, 2013, 2012, something like that. 
All right. Well, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but go ahead and uh, tell us again. So you, you were born in New York, but moved to North Carolina early because your dad uh, was an architect. I think he built schools, and then you fell into a great program at Cardinal Gibbons, won a state championship. Kind of walk us through that time and your yeah, time with so, Castle. Uh, so I was, I was born in Boston, but my, I lived in, a, in upstate New York where my mom and dad were both from. My dad, as I said, my dad was an architect designing schools in the early 90s in upstate New York. You know, wasn't really a, a growing area, so we uh, we moved to to Durham, uh, Raleigh, Triangle, Cary. Uh, settled in Cary eventually. Grew up playing for for Castle. Had some great coaches there. You know, goalkeeper coaches: John Cohn, Mike Malazzo, Ben Pinkerton. Um, and went to Cardinal Gibbons. Played for Tim Healy. Uh, was fortunate to win a state championship in the last high school game I ever played. And then went to. Reconnected with Stuart Brown, who got me into Castle at Belmont Abbey College. Uh, and then uh, after five years there, went on to a grad assistant position at Frostburg State University, where uh, Brian Parker on the women's side actually connected me with Paul Marco uh, in my last semester and interviewed with Paul on Skype on a Thursday. On Monday, I was accepting a job sight unseen in, in Binghamton, New York. Spent uh, three years working for Paul and decided it was time to get married to my lovely wife and former goalkeeper Hannah. And uh, then we ended up in, or- in Orlando. Uh, I was at Orlando Student for two years uh, with the UCNL programs and the youth club. Um, and then uh, over that whole time, Stuart Brown at Tennessee Soccer Club, who I played for in college, trying to get me to come to Nashville. Uh, and my wife and I kind of looked at each other about January of, of last year and said, uh, of this year, and said, I think it's time to, to to put some roots down. And um, Florida just wasn't where we wanted to do that, and it's too far away from family. And as many know, this business is a lot of nights and weekends away, so being closer to family is, is pretty helpful. So Nashville's uh, where we're going to try to make a stand, I think. So. Well, it's a uh, great, yeah. great club for sure. Tennessee Soccer Club, Stuart Brown and Taylor Johnson and you and a lot of good people. Some other folks that spend time with Castle as well. It was great to be down there. And I'll tell you, Franklin, Tennessee isn't too bad either, is it? No, actually, we're, we're, we're in the process of buying a house in Franklin. So we're, I mean, we're, we mean it. We're, we're in it. <laughs> so we love it so far. So it's been great. With the 30 Under 30 program, who's your mentor and what have you enjoyed most about spending time with your mentor? So my mentor is actually Lisa Cole. So she runs the, uh, the, the goalkeeping portion of the education department with United Soccer Coaches. And um, it's been really, really good um, because Lisa is extremely knowledgeable, extremely passionate about growing the game, not just in terms of with the youth side, but also the women's game. And she's got experience across so many different levels and formats that when you ask a question, you don't just get one perspective, you know, from maybe just a college coach or just a, a youth coach, but you get it from a national team coach all the way down to the, the rec player uh, coach. So it's it's just been tremendous to get those kind of conversations going. And then uh, I was fortunate enough, she, she brought me on to apprentice on the advanced national goalkeeping back in January down in Sunrise, Florida. And that was probably a one of the most enjoyable experiences so far because basically spent 20 hours a day talking goalkeeping, talking soccer, 
you know, learning how to help other coaches get better and at the same time you get better because of the conversations you're having with candidates and the other instructors. So that would probably be my favorite is the those those kind of conversations and then the experience of instructing. So Finally, Lou, besides being a member of the 30 Under 30, and of course we'll recognize you in Baltimore at the convention coming up in January, what's the best thing about being a member of United Soccer Coaches? Ability to connect with with other coaches uh, through different social media platforms that you meet at at the conventions or decide to meet at the conventions based on a shared bigger picture other than just your tiny little bubble. You know, I think everyone that's involved has the greater good of the game in this country and hopefully the world at, at heart. So that would probably be my, my my favorite part about being a member. I love it, Lou. I love all that you've accomplished. I love that uh, you're now putting roots down with the Tennessee Soccer Club in Franklin and love that uh, you're number one out of 30 as we get this thing going. Thanks so much. Great to see you in Franklin a couple months ago and hope to be in touch soon. And I'll definitely see you in Baltimore. I'll be on the stage when you guys go up there, Lou. So congratulations on all your success. Thank you very much, Dean. I appreciate the time. The first of 30 of our 30 under 30s, Jen Larrick, is next to wrap up the show. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help customers save their time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. What a great show, right? Spending time with Rob Keel, Director of College Programs for United Soccer Coaches, K.O. Wasserman, getting a chance to be a D1 head coach as he starts this year for the SIUE men's team. Kelsey Steele, Senior Manager Social Media for the United Soccer League's headquarters, USL, certainly blowing up. And this begins the week where each week we hope to talk to at least one or two and this week we get to talk to two, Lou Liberator, already with the 30 Under 30 program. We just heard from him, and now, as promised, we get to talk to Jennifer Larrick, who, by the way, has been on this program before with the great work that she does with Are You Like a Girl? You can learn more at areyoulikeagirl.org. She's also a youth coach, college coach. She does it all, and she's one of our 30 Under 30 members. Jen Larrick is back with us. Jen, great to be with you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Well, let's uh, remind everybody about the time we had on the phone with Are You Like a Girl, areyoulikeagirl.org, embracing, supporting, and celebrating the diverse communities of girls who play soccer. It was started by you up in Minnesota, which is where you're from, I believe. I know you spent a couple years at Florida, but finished at the University of Minnesota at Golden Gopher. But remind everybody what that is. Like a Girl is a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, you hit our mission spot on, and essentially we just see this disconnect between um, girls who play soccer in cultural communities and uh, a pathway towards college soccer. Uh, college coaches often only look at club college, uh, club college showcase tournaments, and we want to kind of bridge these worlds where cultural tournaments uh also have the opportunity to expose young people to college soccer opportunities. And tell us how many years you've been involved with this and what uh, really was kind of the tipping point for you to start it. So Like a Girl has been around for three years. We just two weekends ago finished our third annual Like a Girl College Showcase. 
Uh, and what prompted us to start it, uh, myself and two other co-founders, is we coached high school soccer in St. Paul City and just got to know this really wonderful uh, group of girls who played high school soccer and then uh, in the off-season from high school would form their own, uh, largely it was a Karen uh, group of young women, so form their own Karen teams, go to their own Karen tournaments. We also coached Latina young women who would play in city Latina leagues, some Ethiopian young women. Uh, and it was just this really wonderful, uh, diverse, vibrant ecosystem of girls' soccer that we started to discover. Um, and my background as a college soccer player just helped me connect those dots that these these young women who play soccer all the time are very much outside um, the mainstream system, very much marginalized. And meanwhile, they would come up to me and say, hey, Jen, I want to play for the Gophers, too. I'm going to go to the University of Minnesota, and I'm going to try out. Um, and so we just had we just gained this knowledge that their understanding of what college soccer is, the process to get there, was very different than the reality. And so, therefore, their opportunities to actually participate became really, really limited. And we just found that there was a, a need um, to kind of connect these these two soccer worlds, the kind of urban cultural world and the, uh, you know, more mainstream college soccer pathway. Just an amazing woman. Again, you can learn more at areyoulikeagirl.org. And just to clarify, Jen Larrick is actually a Massachusetts girl. She <laughs> was born in Westford, Mass., went to Westford Academy, and then found her way up to Gopher Land through Florida and then up to Minnesota and, and has stayed there and then started this great organization. And I believe you're in your third year also uh, as the assistant coach at Augsburg University. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm heading into my fourth season. So I've been there for three years and about to kick off uh, my fourth. Really excited about it. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, your job at Augsburg University. Remind us what division that is. Augsburg University is a Division three school. It's right in the heart of Minneapolis, and my work there as the assistant is to um, support in practice planning, support in preseason planning, um, really uh, to support in kind of community building and team building. This whole off season, myself and the graduate assistant led um, these kind of small leadership groups that really help the team gain a, a closer sense of community. Um, and then I also support with recruiting. So. You know, periodically I'm off at tournaments or showcases, uh, and kind of through my involvement in the urban cultural soccer community here in the Twin Cities, I've uh, also been able to make some recruiting connections. And we actually have two young women who have participated in Like a Girl who are going to be first years at Augsburg next season. That's incredible. So here she goes, folks. She's got areyoulikeagirl.org. She's a former star player. She's now in her fourth season as an assistant at Augsburg University. And she also coaches club teams, as she already told you, in the Twin Cities. How in the world do you do it all, Jen? Well, uh, you know, just a lot of passion and a little bit of sleep. Um, <laughs> no, it's a great question and one I've been, been thinking over because I absolutely love coaching. I absolutely love working with young people. Uh, and I'm very aware of the statistics of, you know, female coaches in particular burning out. And so I do my best when I recognize I've gone weeks without a day off to just really unplug um turn my phone off, not check my email, and get that kind of a mental break to, to rejuvenate. 
Well, one time you didn't turn your email off or your phone off was when you applied to be a member of United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. What was your inspiration to do just that? A friend of mine, shout out to Matea, who worked at the Tucker Center for Girls and Women in Sport at the University of Minnesota, uh, just reached out to me and said, hey, this is this application's coming up. You should apply. It doesn't hurt to try. Um, and then I just, you know, sat on it for a bit and then a couple days before the deadline I was like you know what I really I really do want to put myself out the, out there and, and try um, and then a, another awesome friend of mine wrote a recommendation and um, you know here we are I'm very thankful to be a part of the program well we're very thankful as well tell us about your mentor and some of the things you've enjoyed getting out of it so far yeah my mentor is Deb Raber uh, from the Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts she's also a head coach uh, at a Division three school, so I've learned a lot from her just about that Division three pathway and what it looks like to have multiple kind of hats at a Division three university. Um, and we've connected about the United Soccer Coaches Conference. She kind of helped me navigate that very large conference. It was my first time, and, you know, certainly it can feel overwhelming with thousands of coaches there. So she helped me decide which sessions to go to, when to take a break for lunch, that sort of first-time knowledge. And, um, you know, she's also had some awesome conversations with me about uh, burnout and, you know, how to take care of myself on these, you know, potentially long weeks I go without a day off. Uh, she's been, you know, a great source of support, and I'm very grateful to have her. Well, hoping you don't get burnt out because your story is great and your passion, and obviously you still got uh, a lot to do. Where do you see yourself maybe in 10 years from now, Jen? What might be a perfect scenario for you if you could paint that picture? That's a great question. So currently I'm uh, working with, like, a girl. I'm the assistant coach at Augsburg, and I'm also the girls director of coaching at a club called BV United out of Burnsville, Minnesota. Um, and we have a, kind of a strong um, desire to have all female coaches coach our girls' teams. It's kind of a policy that we uh, live by. And so I think I'm gaining kind of the administrative skills there to take on a head coaching role in the future. Um, I absolutely love Augsburg and would love to be the head coach there in the future. Uh, but essentially... I really love that Division Three uh, value set and the way it allows our young people to be kind of holistic learners. Um, and I really love this idea of mentoring female coaches. So I see myself as a head Division Three coach with uh, you know female staff that I get to mentor and learn from. Um, and last but not least, I um, have a master's in youth development and would really love to also teach some youth development courses at uh, whatever university I end up at. Just kind of that coach-teacher balance. Finally, because I think you're so well-spoken and you even mentioned the fact that sometimes uh, the pathways for female coaches kind of get thrown off and, you know, with the USA women just winning the World Cup, Joe Ellis is stepping down. They'll be looking for a new coach, but never a better time, I think, for women's soccer right now. You know, with the thought of equal pay and females taking on bigger roles and, and being treated equal like they should be, what's your message? to all the young coaches, all the young female coaches that might be listening to this program? My message is, is now is the time. We have always been needed, but now the larger community is, I think, recognizing our value and our need. Um, and also that 
we every day are role models for, for young girls. Uh, during the World Cup, I was coaching this U11 team over the summer, and one of the girls in my team who knows every player on the roster and all of her statistics, um, she of her own volition brought the equal pay uh, lawsuit up to me and you know was, was talking about how women deserve to be treated equally. And what a better way to introduce young girls to, to the fact that uh, sometimes their value might be challenged in the world, but that they deserve to kind of advocate for their own worth. Um, and I think the U.S. Women's National Team was a fantastic group of role models this summer. Well, you're a great role model as well, and you're a perfect member of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30, and we want you to stay in the game. So please promise me you will, Jen Larry. Can you make me that promise? I absolutely can. I absolutely can. I um, have gotten a lot better this year at kind of taking care of myself when I'm starting to, um, you know, kind of feel that fatigue set in. All right, finally, if people want to follow you and your path, give that website one more time, maybe your Twitter, anywhere where they can follow you. The Like a Girl website is areyoulikeagirl.org, and uh, my personal Twitter is at Jen Larrick. Uh, with one N. All right, that's one N and then L-A-R-R-I-C-K. Jen Larrick, part of the United Soccer Coaches, 30 under 30, getting it done. Jen, thanks again for being with us. Thanks so much, Dean. Yes, thank you, Jen Larrick. Thank you, Lou Liberator. Thank you, Mary Huffman, who does a great job for United Soccer Coaches coordinating the 30 under 30s. As always, we thank Michael Knipper and Sean Chevrolet from United Soccer Coaches, Ian Barker, Lynn Berlin-Manuel, and the crew. Rob Kehoe, also from United Soccer Coaches, Director of College Programs, getting his started. Pat Madden, behind the scenes for him. Always fantastic. I want to thank Kelsey Steele, the Senior Manager of Social Social media for USL at the USL headquarters and Kale Wasserman, the head coach for SIUE men's soccer. Great show, right? Hope you enjoyed it. I'm Dean Linky. See you back here, same time, same channel, a week from today.